Now let's get to the study of God's Word. Am I on track? There we go. And you have some message notes out there in the forum, but online as well. I wrote a manuscript, and you can read that. If I forget something, there it is as well. But I've entitled our message this morning, Keep a Knocking, But You Can't Come In. Have you heard of that title before? Well, Little Richard didn't get it right. That's his song. But that's Jesus who keeps knocking, and the church keeps saying, you can't come in. And open your Bibles, please, to Revelation chapter 3, verses 19, uh, verses, uh, 19 and 20. This is to the church of Laodicea, the last uh, church in a series of letters in Revelation uh, 2 and 3. It says, those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline, so be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. In our home, as we were growing up, we had some house rules for our kids and for us is that we always ate together at the table. And we said, no television should be on. Don't read newspapers or magazines. We're not going to answer the phone, but we want to attend to one another and listen to each other and talk with each other. And so recently, I've seen ads and read studies that it's very healthy for families to eat together at least one meal a day. And maybe you all know that, but now people just graze or they're too busy to sit down and eat together as a family, but we need that kind of family connection. And as I think about the TV series Blue Bloods with, um, who's the, Tom, okay, Tom Selleck, okay. Um, they, they had a weekly Sunday after church dinner as a family. And as you watch that gathering around that table, they talked, they laughed, they argued, they discussed, <clears throat> and I thought, what a great example of what it means to eat together, to have fellowship with one another as family. And that's what Jesus wants for us, for our church. Think of it. The Son of God, the creator of the heavens of earth, wants to come down to us and sit with us at our table and eat with us and dine with us. I'm in awe that God would want that kind of relationship with his creatures, it's just astonishing. Uh, here he is knocking on our church door, wanting to have dinner with us. And, and that's what he wanted for the church of Laodicea, one of the seven churches that he wrote in, uh, to in Revelation. Jesus knew these seven churches very well. He had golden candlesticks. He walked among them. He sent a letter to each one of the messengers or, or pastors or teachers and for an open letter for everybody to read. And each church he wanted to correct and help them be restored to fellowship and say, you're doing this well, but this is something you need to change. And the head of this church is Jesus the Christ, isn't he? And he walks among us. In fact, he's here this morning. Not physically, of course, but in spirit. We need to recognize him. And he, and he holds us accountable for us as a church on how we're reaching the lost and how we're fulfilling his mandate to us to recognize that. How are we doing? Um, and so as he looks at that, he's not, he's not just talking to the leadership, but every person in the church. He looks at you and, and he knocks on your heart's door as well. And as he looks at us as a church, what do you think he would write to us as a church today? What do you think he would write? Well, I hope we can discover that or come to agreement on what we think he would write to us today. And see, like a football team, if just one player is offside, 
the whole team is penalized. And so, like Jesus holds the whole church accountable for sin that's unresolved or unconfessed or bitterness in a church that drags on the church, he holds us all accountable. And the whole church goes down together. It's like when, you know, when Joshua fought the battle of Jericho and God says, don't take any of the devoted things. And you know the story about Achan. He saw that treasure from Babylonia and he took it and he hid it. And so the next battle that they fought with a small little town called Ai, they got whooped. Not just whooped, but they lost 36 people, died in that conflict. All of because of one man's sin. So what about us as a church? Is there sin in the church that's keeping us from being what he wants us to be? Is it your sin? Are you unforgiving? Is there an anger there that hasn't been resolved? We need to deal with that to receive his blessings. He wants us to follow him, which means be in step with him. And we see that uh, the as I've looked at some of the records so far about this church, I saw that maybe about 20 years ago, this church started to decline. 20 years ago. And I'm wondering, what happened? What's going on here? Uh, what happened? Do we know? Let's ask the Lord and listen to his voice about what that was. And maybe, and I know some of you are already doing this with that prayer seminar that Dennis Fuquay started. And that's why I want us all to come on the 24th as a church and pray about that. Lord, what do you have us, what do you want us to do? And this, and this uh, also, as I listened to Burt Downs, Dr. Burt Downs on May 23rd's message, he talked about the patterns of transformation. And he used the five M's, and I've been talking about that. In fact, I've got the blue sheet out there with those still on there. And he asked you to pray through, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Do you remember that? If you don't, please do that and saturate your mind on that because that's really going to be the model of what I'll be talking about over the next couple of months, those five M's. And, for example, on Mondays, he talks about the meal. Here I am. That's why I'm talking about here I am this morning. I stand at the door and knock. And, and our prayer is to be, Lord, give me your meal for today. Let me be in fellowship with you. Give me your daily bread. Let's be in fellowship together. So today we're looking at this verse, verse 20, a, a little bit closer. It'll really help us to remember that your pastor Dave, I think it was on June the 13th, talked about and taught about the Laodicean church. He did a great job with that. And go back online and, and, and listen to that study about the history of Laodicea, how that was used to, to confront the church and deal with that. This is great transformational information that was left that talks about how we might do that as well. And, and, and let's look again. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in and eat with him and he with me. So what needs to happen here as we look at this verse? First of all, First Baptist Church of Hillsboro must respond to Jesus' loving rebuke and discipline. We need to respond as a church and personally. We must open the door for him to come in. Why? To hear his rebuke, to receive his discipline. As, as uh, Jesus said, to those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. Now, I know how Pastor Dave, and I love how he taught this verse. He said, it's like when you know as a kid you did something wrong and your mother catches you red-handed and sends you to your room and says, wait till your dad gets home. Do you remember what he said? And so, the, and so this, this 
person waits in the room waiting for his dad to come home. And then when the, and he hears his mom and dad talking, and finally he can hear his dad knocking, and the dad comes in and says, let's have a meal together. And David said, that is so gracious. Why? Because he loves you. He is gracious to you. And what leads us to repent? What does the Bible say? Kindness. It says in Romans 2.4, do not show contempt for the riches of his kindness and tolerance and patience, not realizing that God's kindness leads you to repentance. His grace calls to us and draws us. And so when Jesus comes, he comes in kindness, not in anger, not kicking down your door with belt in hand, angry to whip you and teach you a lesson. Nobody comes gentle and lowly in heart. Come to me, all you are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you a rest, a peace the world cannot give. And so to welcome Jesus into our lives, we must hear that knock. And we must open the door. We must respond and say, Lord, show me. Teach me. I welcome your rebuke because it's going to be out of love. I welcome your discipline because it's going to be out of kindness. And you want the best for me. I'm not afraid of you. So he rebukes us. Not that we, so that we can trust and obey. I love that song. And Jesus tells us the truth about us. He tells us the truth about this church. And he tells us what we need to do. That without loving him and having fellowship with him, our works are, as Pastor Dave said, useless. That's a great uh, interpretation of the word lukewarm for the church in Laodicea. It characterizes that church. It was lukewarm useless, neither good or bad, doesn't help. Jesus does not want you, does not want us as a church to waste our time and energy just doing church. Does he? He expects a crop. He expects a harvest. So when he comes and he knocks on your heart's door, don't be afraid. He wants to point out areas that he can correct. And don't you want to hear that? Don't you want to hear him tell you? Uh, don't cower in your room waiting for the angry dad to come home. He comes and he knocks on your door. And you must respond by saying, yes, Lord. I'm willing to be made willing to learn what it is that's in this church that has brought us to this point. Is it me? Show me, Lord. And that's why Jesus says, so be earnest and repent. Earnest, you know, focused, concentrated. This is, not, this is first place. I'm missing a verse already. Oh, I'm missing another. So be earnest and repent. I missed a couple of verses there. That we might give full attention to this. Now, repent is necessary it's a necessary condition to place our faith in Jesus or to grow in his grace and knowledge. Our first repentance is to receive, it's a one-time decision for salvation. Remember, Romans, uh, Love Register 320 sounds a lot like 
when you placed your faith in Jesus. It's the same thing here. It's about this first time repentance is for salvation where you realize, I now understand and I believe that I'm a sinner who could never save myself from the guilt of my sin and I, and I realize that I, I could never do enough to deserve to go to heaven. I could never be good enough to get to God on my own. Oh, Lord, I, I need you. I need to trust Jesus alone for my salvation to save me, to pay for the guilt of my sin forever. And so at this moment, this day, I place my faith in Jesus as my personal Savior. Do you remember that day when you did that? I do. It was in August of 1959. I was 14, and I was so relieved that I finally had enough courage to run down the aisle, just as they sang, just as I am, and, 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 and escape the, the, the destiny of hell. And I thought I was doing the right thing. I did, but I needed to go further. To place our faith in Jesus is a one-time decision to enter into a permanent relationship with God, to be adopted forever into his forever family. Thank you, Lord. Have you done that? You can receive him right now where you are, at home or right here. Just talk to Jesus and say, Jesus, I pray to you right now. I'm wrong. I'm a sinner. I can't save myself. You died on the cross for me in the place of my sins, and, and I put my trust in what you did for me those thousands of years ago, that you have taken the penalty of my sin. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. So please, Lord Jesus, come and save me now. And he will, right now, right where you are. So repentance is necessary, a condition to grow, and our first repentance is a one-time decision, but also we need to continue to repent to restore our fellowship with God. Not to get, to, to get saved again, but to restore our fellowship with God. You know that. It's, it's, our life needs to be punctuated with this kind of repentance. When we sin and we, and, and we break God's heart, what does the Bible say? We need to you know, confess our sins, and he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins, and that restores that fellowship as well. But that's what Jesus meant when he said to Peter, I'm not going to bathe you again because in, it, a person who's had a bath needs only to wash his feet, but his whole body is clean. And every day my feet get dirty. And every day he needs to wash my feet and your feet. And that repentance comes when you wake up in the morning or before you go to bed at night, you think about, Lord, is there something I've done in my life that has not pleased you, that's been against you? That, that breaks my fellowship with you. I can't hear you because of that. Forgive me, Lord. That's the kind of repentance that Jesus is talking about for the church of Laodicea. As we say in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When Jesus rebukes us to discipline us, he's calling us to trust him and restore us to that loving relationship. I hope that each one of us online and on campus knows that you have that close, unbroken relationship with Jesus, your Savior and Lord. Do you? Don't be afraid of Jesus. He loves you. Remember who he is. Remember how accurately he, he, he talked about it and table on, at the table. Jesus shouts through the door of your fears and failures and sins and the closed door, and he says, look at me. 
Look at me, here I am. Literally, that's what the word means in verse 20. Behold, look, open the eyes of your heart. You're looking at me. Fix your eyes on Jesus, not on your failure, but I'm here to help you. I am the author, indeed the perfecter of your faith. Don't you know who I am? I'm right here. It sounds like meeting Jesus for the first time. Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. Did he hear his voice? And he, and he does that. Sometimes he'll nudge you and say, you know, that person that you don't like, that person that you won't talk to, what are you going to do about it? Open the door. Let me help you. Now, we remember that Jesus promised, and it's true, and I've said that where two or three are gathered in my name, I'm in your midst. And indeed, he is here right now, although he is in spirit here. And he walks through these aisles, and he's in our hearts. He's here. So how can he be at the same time outside the church door knocking? Seems kind of ironic or contradictory, but here's an illustration that may help you. I did try to play football in high school, and I loved it. And I, I, I was on the team. I had a uniform. Uh, I had a coach, a great coach, and I had a playbook. And in the play, it's all right, 47 blue right. And we know that they were going to the fourth hole, seventh guy, whatever, something like that. I forgot. But you guys who play football, you remember those playbooks that you're supposed to, everybody's supposed to run together the same way? Well, that's, that's kind of what a football team does. They, they work together, and one guy misses his assignment, I lose Somebody tackles me in the backfield, or I miss that guy running for a pass as a cornerback because I missed my assignment. And everyone has an assignment, and everyone's on the team, and we all want to win. And the coach is with us on the sideline, and he calls in plays. Do this, do that. Hey, Fred, come over here, do this. Fred, I'm not talking about Fred. <laughs> That's an old illustration. But think about this. We all want to win the district championship, but we always lose. We never win. Why? Well, the coach is here with us, but there's some players on the team that think they're too good to practice. There's some great athletes that don't think they need to listen to the coach, and so they do the own thing, and so the coach calls in a play, but the quarterback says, I know better, and he calls his own play, and they get sacked. He's on the outside. Or there's a team that becomes rebellious and they go to the locker room and they lock the door and need the coach on the outside because they're going to have a meeting about this terrible coach. Jesus is here. He's coaching us. Are you listening to what he's saying? Or do you keep him on the outside and say, I'll do it my way. My way's better. And so the Lados in church was losing all their games because their works were useless. They were satisfied to get a participation ribbon because, you know, hey, we're keeping the church doors open. Isn't that good enough? No, it's not. Jesus, our coach, wants to coach you to victory, doesn't he? Right now. Right now. So Jesus is using the, the church there in Laodicea as, as a model for all of us to follow. Actually, Jesus knew that that church was useless and they were not using their resources properly. And so he writes in this open letter we're looking at. You know, we've been reading this letter for 2,000 years, and, and this church had a bad reputation. It's an open letter. Everybody could read it. What if God published a letter about us for everybody to read? What would our reputation look like? We have a great history, but what about now? 
And so these people did not do useful works, but useless. Uh, they were lukewarm, and I would like to use the word maintain. Let's just maintain. Let's just keep it going, keep it steady. And I have printed and talked to you about the life cycle. I know the church has seen it for several years. I've been using this life cycle since 1962 about how a church or any organization can rise to power and then get comfortable and slide down the hill and finally implode. And so when I first came to this church, I met with a search team, and I've been giving this out. I say, so where do you think we are as a church? And most people put in the area there that this plateau is, we've reached a plateau and we're moving down towards apathy. It's called maintenance. And that's what Revelation 3, 1 through 10 is. Church is lukewarm. It's maintaining. It's lost its vision. It's lost its purpose. It's lost its energy. And I will tell you that many churches die every day in America. And COVID-19 has really hurt all the more. And many churches close their door. Where's the church of Laodicea? It's gone. Of course, cultural things have happened there too, but a church doesn't live forever. It has a life cycle unless it goes back to its main purpose and does the works that are right. And so as I look at this, I immediately thought of keep a knocking, but you can't come in, Jesus. Come back tomorrow night and try it again. You say that you love me, but you know, keep on knocking. And he does. He's been knocking on this church for years. Don't you want to see what God is doing, what he wants to do? Yes. I think that the largest utility bill in this church should be the water bill. Not because Hillsborough charges a lot for water, but because we're performing so many baptisms that we keep filling up the tub so much that it fills up a swing pool every year. Wouldn't you like to see that? Wouldn't you like to see the baptism wet all the time? then we need to change some things, don't we? What is our purpose? Show me the believers. Show me the new believers. And that's why I said when we do trunk or treat, let's be sure and include a gospel track because when I go fishing, I have a hook. Just don't throw the line out there and expect to catch fish. We need to be praying, Lord, open people's hearts and open our mouths to share the gospel with anybody that you bring to us, and we're going to keep reaching out like that. And Jesus keeps on knocking. That's what the, the, tech, the tense of this word, it, to offer us restorative fellowship, to get in line with him and to follow him. What does he want us to do? Well, Bert says, what does Jesus say? Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. That means you catch fish. You smell like fish. You got fish everywhere. They're wet. They're slimy. I love them but we need to catch them. <laughs> or there'll come a point when Jesus says, my spirit will always tarry with you. And he will remove his candlestick. Will you even be aware that the Holy Spirit's not here? Or just keep on doing church as we always do. So right now, Jesus says, Yes, I want you to answer the door one person at a time. If anyone opens the door. So when we, Judy and I came here to candidate, wherever it was, I, I didn't, we didn't have keys to the church yet. We weren't members. We didn't know what door to come in. So we come to the front door of the church, which you would think would be the place people would come to the church. 
And, and it was earlier on, nobody was here except the people practicing music and, and working in the sound. And, and so I take my key and I go tap, 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 tap. I'm here. Hello? Nobody. Judy stands at the front steps out there, and I said, stay here, Judy. I'm going to go around the other side, come around like this to that, and I tap on the door. Hello, we're here. And Chris and Jory came at the same time. They saw Judy but not me. They let her in. I, I finally made it anyway. <laughs> but at, right then at that moment, I thought to myself, I wonder how Jesus would feel if that happened to him. I know that's okay. I knew I was early. That was not, didn't offend me. But the head of your church, one person at a time needs to respond. I'm glad, Chris, you came out with the key or Jory. I can't remember which, but that's what he wants us to do. Look, here I am outside the church, and I want to bring to you a word of rebuke and a word of discipline to restore you to fellowship with me. And so Jesus' heart is to restore our health and our fellowship. He keeps knocking, he keeps saying, here I am, and waits for anyone to open the door. Church transformation begins one person at a time, or more people at the same time. And it's like this on the, there it is, renewal process. It begins with personal transformation. It talks about you having a time with Jesus every day, listening to him, talking to him, praying, having, having a, a time of, of, Lord, here I am, what do you want me to do in this church? Each person, and then, you, and then as you're transformed, as we talk about this process coming up, then the corporate transformation happens. The church begins to change. The church has a, an aliveness to it and an excitement to it that was gone. Why? Because you're on fire. You're excited. Lord, we can do this. Look what you've given. Look at the tremendous place you've given to us and, and, and strategic location and, and all these wonderful people here. But you're here. You're with me, and, and I can do all things that Christ asked me to do. Let's do this. And I've seen that light in some of your eyes. And I look at Judy and says, did you see that? Wow. There's some fire here. But more of us need to join. And then, as the church changes, then the culture begins to change as well and is transformed. And that's what Jesus is saying. If one hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in one person at a time. And then I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. I'm trying to imagine what it would like to have Jesus physically come in here. And, you know, like Alexandro came in in his long garb. What would we do? We would all fall flat on our faces and worship him like John did when he saw him in the book of Revelation. Is there anything too hard for me, Jesus says? Can you do all things that I give you to do? Yes, he can. Jesus begins to restore a local church when spiritually receptive individuals who hear his voice, who sense his desire, knocking and take steps and respond and opens the door and says, here I am. Are you that person? Do you want to be that person? Would you ask God for the grace to give you that ability to humble yourself and, and listen to your Savior? When Jesus comes in, wow, how does he do that? By his Spirit? So we read the Gospel of John, he talks about, I'm going to send to you my Spirit, and the Christ Spirit, 
And that's in Acts 16, 7 to 6, the Spirit of Jesus, the Spirit of Jesus. And He comes in when you ask Jesus to come into your life. He comes into your life. And your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And He lives inside of you. And you can grieve Him and you can quench Him, Spirit. And, 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 but you can walk in Him and you can... That's next week's sermon, anyway. That's... Imagine how Zacchaeus felt when he climbed that sycamore tree and he saw Jesus coming into town and Jesus looks up to him and says, Zacchaeus, come down. I want to have dinner with you today. What did Zacchaeus do? Well, maybe. No, he scrambled down that tree. He opened the door and his life was changed dramatically. And when he calls you by name, come follow me. And he does. May we have that excitement in our lives. Yes, Lord. Is it any wonder that Mary sat at Jesus' feet at that dinner at her house? Is it any wonder that Jesus commended Mary to her sister Martha? Martha, Martha, you're worried about many things and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. The light bulb in the pew needs to be fixed. No, we're not kidding. One thing is needed, Martha. It's a great kitchen, but the one thing is needed, Martha. And Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. And when people come into this church, may they have that merry hunger to sit at Jesus' feet, that one thing is needed to be there and listen to their Savior. Speak to me, Lord. Do we miss Jesus because we are, in Jesus' words, worried and upset about many things? What should make us worried? Are you here, Lord? Are we, am I following you? Let's choose what is better, to be in his presence and to listen to his voice above the noise of doing programs and maintaining and everything else. Sit at the feet of Jesus. Certainly, we need to let and work like Martha did, but let's not forget our priority. It is our purpose that Jesus gave us. It's printed on your logo. And it's love God, love people, follow Jesus, make disciples. Pretty clear. That's our purpose. But some people, as I said a couple of weeks ago, their highest priority is the building. Or programs. We need to have these programs. Or these people will be upset if we don't do this or we keep doing it that way. But what does Jesus say? Seek first the kingdom of God. And Mary has chosen what is better. And Paul said, this one thing I do above all else. I want to know you, Jesus. I want to hear your voice, Jesus. Eating together is a picture of intimacy and enjoying each other's company. That's what he wants us more than anything else, is that intimate relationship with him, unbroken, unstrained by unconfessed sin or harbored things that aren't working. And that's what John wrote about, the apostle of love. He says in 1 John 1, 6 and 7, if we claim to have fellowship with him yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. Have you gone dark? in your personal relationships with people in this church? Have you gone dark with believers or sisters that have hurt you in the past? 
You're not living by the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, purifies us from all sin. The issue of the Laodicean church is a lack of fellowship with Jesus. Is that our issue here? I don't know. I'm just probing. To enjoy ongoing fellowship with Jesus and with one another, we need to live an abundant life punctuated by repentance. To say, I'm sorry I hurt you. I'm sorry I misunderstood you. I'm sorry I took advantage of you. I'm sorry I'm talking to Jesus and then to others. Keep on confessing our sins and receiving his forgiveness of sins and hearing his rebuke and changing. And how do you do that? As I said, first of all, we need to respond to Jesus' loving rebuke and discipline. He is standing out the door. He does have rebuke for us, and he does have discipline for us. But secondly, our church must listen to his spirit. Be still and know that I am God. That still, small voice. Psalm 32. Be guided with the counsel of his eye, not like a horse that needs a bridle or a donkey, but to have eye contact with him and have him guide you. He who has ears, let him hear. Do you have ears? Even with uh, your hearing aids, he's talking about the ears of your heart. Listen to what the Spirit says to the churches, and that includes us. Today, if you hear his voice, do not Harden your hearts because Hebrews talks about there still remains for you a rest that you must enter into where you stop struggling and trying to do it your way but his way. Speak, Lord. For the past several years, I've been seeking the Lord. What do you want? And I remember reading, I think it's Tozer's Pursuit of God, that early in the morning he would get up and take a rug and lay it on the floor and lay there in quiet worship. And I've been trying to do that for several years. Some mornings are a little harder than others for obvious reasons. <laughs> but just lay there quiet in the dark and just worship the Lord and listen. And the reason that that provoked me is because of what the Lord said to Eli or to Samuel and Eli realized the Lord was calling the boy. And so Eli told him, go and lie down. And if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Do you have ears to hear him? Then the Lord came and stood there calling out as other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Would you just get alone with God and say, you know, I'm, I'm ticked at what Pastor Mike said, so I want to hear your voice, God. Jesus, come in and show me. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Are you listening to Jesus' voice today for his voice? There's a gentleman that plays a song, I am your servant, and I am listening. <laughs> 
I need your comfort. I need your wisdom. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And that just speaks to my heart. Lord, I want that. I want to hear you speak to me. And as I began, and I got it on my computer, and then in the morning I, I play that song and listen to it and, and pray it. And then there's another song with the same a song, Speak, Lord. Dave Lubin said, I, I want to see what you see. I want to be where you are. I want to know who you are. So when you call my name, I can say, here I am. He's calling you by name today. Come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Follow him. Change my heart, Lord, and make me holy. If there's anything in my life that doesn't honor you today, I'm listening, Lord. I'm listening. Oh, for a fellowship of believers who lay flat before the Lord every morning and say, the problem with lying flat every morning now is I have a hard time getting back up. So maybe you can stay seated. But if you would just together cry out, I want to hear your voice, Jesus. And he still speaks today. And then the next song I play and read is one written by Carrie Job and Cody Carnes and Jacob Cook and Amanda Cook called Speak to Me. I'm in awe that you would come to me in awe that I could hear you speak. Speak to me. The mystery, you're closer than my skin. You're inside of me. I'm on the edge of my seat. Unlock my ears to hear your voice. Your words unlock my heart. Your words are healing. So I began a study, and I started in Genesis. Every time God used the name of someone, Abraham, Hagar, Samuel, Zacchaeus, Paul, Mike. I want you to think about that church in Hillsboro. No, Lord. No, I'm retired. Mike, here, here I am. Not out of pride, but out of I have to. I have to. I'm called. And today, Jesus continually is knocking on the door of your heart as the door of this church, and he's calling you by name, asking, can I come into those dark parts of your life? I'm inviting you to my fellowship. So how do you hear his voice? Well, join me next Sunday, and I'll tell you what I found out. Let's pray. Oh, God, give us a passion for Christ like Paul expressed in Philippians 3. Oh, Father, cause us to think with the mind of Christ that we have as expressed in Philippians 2. Oh, Father, cause us to follow Jesus as one team, one church. You loved us first and so cause us to love you by that love and your kindness Oh, Lord, give each one in this room and online a passion for Jesus to know him above all. Cause believers in this church to rise up and to be extremely dedicated, disciplined leaders who will pay the price for those who are about to come to this church, those who are sending to this church. May we be ready for them and welcome them and call them by name and lead them to follow your son as well, Father. 
Help us, Lord Jesus, to answer the knock, to hear your voice and respond in Jesus' name.